Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. It's a wonderful night for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, who will win? That's my very, very terrible attempt at imitating Billy Crystal on his numerous, numerous times of hosting the Oscars. Uh, Sadly, uh, as you guys might be aware, the Oscars ended about an hour ago. They were hostless for the second year in a row. But before we get into that, we still have other stuff. Uh, This show is not going hostless because, you know, without a host, this show wouldn't exist of course, I'm Nick. Welcomes to Nick's Nerds News, as I just completely forget how to speak the English language. But, no matter, let us get into the thick of it, and we're going to jump right into gaming, as we always do. Lot a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in the gaming world this week. Uh, two major stories, actually, um, that we'll get to in, in just a second, but, but first... We're going to talk about the new Wizards of the Coast studio that was announced. Yes, Wizards of the Coast, the makers of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and many of your favorite card games, have announced that they have created a new game studio called Archetype Entertainment. They are developing a multi-platform, yes, multi-platform sci-fi RPG. So this is a video game and not a tabletop game. They're saying it will be story-driven epic. Uh, you'll have have real consequences on how the story unfolds. And this is... Uh, so it's based in Texas. It's uh, headed up by James Olin, an ex-Bioware director. Uh, he worked on Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age Origins, a lot of th- good things that came out of Bioware. Uh, also, some other people from Bioware... Uh, that are heading up the studio, so it looks like we got some good talent behind it. And this is very interesting, as as mag- uh, Magic Wizards of the Coast has usually stuck to tabletop and card games, you know. Like I said, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, things like this. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. And I remember we reported a few weeks back that they're working on seven or eight games based on Dungeons and Dragons, so... A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on over there at, at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the coronavirus is currently affecting China in a massive way. They uh, essentially closed a portion of the country down, mainly for Chinese Lunar New Year a few weeks back. But because of the coronavirus, it um, it extended that closure. It's supposed to reopen a large portion of the country tomorrow. Uh, but if you're wondering why I'm talking about a disease outbreak in my video game section, it's because Disney and Microsoft, Disney, fucking Disney, Sony and Microsoft have expressed c- some concerns that the coronavirus outbreak may impact the release of both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. If this coronavirus outbreak uh, causes more delays or more people get sick or more things in China happen, 
we could be seeing a delay in the next generation of consoles and their release. So this will be interesting to, to take watch of. I'm sure a lot of you are like, oh, I don't care about this. It's China. Blah, blah, blah. But now it's affecting you in, in some possible way. Now, again, I'm, I'm not going to say this is a, a terrible thing for us. No, it's a terrible thing for the Chinese. It sucks. A lot of people might die. A lot of people are getting sick. So it, it, it's, it's something to really think about and how a lot of these things affect our world and more globally than you realize. And, and uh, just be aware. Be aware of, of, of things and situations. And don't think that uh, just because we're thousands of miles away, it won't affect us. But uh, speaking of the next-gen consoles... We still don't know a cost or, or anything like that associated with these. And several outlets are reporting that Sony is allegedly holding off and announcing their price until Microsoft announces the price of the Xbox Series X. So we're in this interesting price war that may end up taking a while to, to come to an end. And, and it could backfire on either party, in all honesty. Xbox could come out with their price first. And then Sony will come out with their price after and come out lower. It'll be interesting to see, though, if that really happens or or if then we just start getting in this pricing war where Microsoft announces, then Sony, and then Microsoft says, oh, wait, no, we'll be cheaper. And then it just goes on and on. And, hey, maybe they'll just end up being free at the end of the day. No, no, they, they won't. They'll, the companies will take a loss on them at first, but they, they won't be free. <laughs> um. Platinum Games, the makers of uh, quite a few of, of, of gaming's greats in the past, were famously announced a few E3s back as uh, they were going to be the developer of the Microsoft-exclusive Scalebound, ultimately for it to get canceled uh, just a few short years later. Well, uh, someone was interviewing them. They announced a new Kickstarter for the the beautiful... Beautiful 101, is that what it's called? Anyway, they have uh, gone on the record as saying they would love to finish Scalebound with Microsoft's permission. Microsoft owns the IP, um, but that is something that they they were unfortunately had no control over the cancellation of and have expressed desire to, to can you ma continue making it. I wonder if how that would have turned out or if, if maybe Microsoft will give them another go-ahead and allow them to do it on the next next gen, and maybe they'll have like be able to really make what their vision was. Uh, I'm all for giving them another chance. Let's uh, let's see how they can they can do that. How about that, huh? I'm all for it. And um, yeah, be interesting to see if maybe they did that on the, on the next gens. Um, kind of rounding back for a second to the next gen conversation it looks like sony has launched a ps5 website dedicated to all things playstation 5 but it doesn't have a list of games it doesn't have what the thing looks like it doesn't have cost it literally has no information other than ps5 it's coming soon and stay tuned it's like why why even start the website at that point just wait the alleged February 5th event didn't happen. There's a rumored event for this weekend, but again, nothing officially announced. 
maybe the end of the month. I, I just, I don't understand. Is this, is this happening or, or what? I, I'm very, very, very confused. I'm I just, Sony, what are you waiting for? Even Xbox showed off what the damn thing looks like. Can't we just see what the PS5 looks like? And at least one or two official games from your end? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, the hype, you gotta start building hype at some point. Even even if it's just like what Microsoft did, like, hey, this is what it looks like, hey, there's games coming. And then be radio silent for months. That's all you gotta do. Don't come into it last minute. Yeah, I know you're gonna try and steal the hype train when you when you start dropping bombs last minute like that, but, but Blitz, Blitzkriegen doesn't always work, okay? It just doesn't. You gotta be careful. You gotta be smart about it. I, I get the idea of being fresh in people's minds as well, but... The problem is when you come out swinging last minute, you might get a muddled, muddled uh, uh, information might be coming out. People are going to be confused. They're not going to know exactly what games. And then, I, granted, I, I don't think it's going to be super last minute. I'm sure everything will be hammered out by E3, but but still, you're, you're cutting it a little close there, if you ask me. And then uh, Therat... Uh, a tech website who's done very well with leaks in the past from what I've seen and uh, what other sites have reported based on their reporting. They were actually the first ones to get the picture of the Xbox Series X. They can confirm through their sources, uh, granted this still isn't 100% accurate, but that mystery port that was on the back of the Xbox Series X is for expandable memory. Yes, you heard that correctly. Expandable memory or uh, storage or something. So that means we might be able to get uh, uh, without having to necessarily hook up another like USB uh, external storage. But again, time will tell. It's it's not official. So there's still some things we can learn. Um, how about this, huh? NVIDIA has released their new GeoForce Now. This is their game streaming service. And uh, it's been in beta for about two years. It is... So it's similar to Stadia. Um, you don't have to rebuy games that you've, you have. Essentially, uh, you can stream PC games um, if you already own them, apparently. So Destiny 2, Cuphead... Uh, and a couple different things. So you can do this on phones and computers. I just, I don't, I guess you need 15 megabytes per second. And at least minimum. And internet, obviously. Um, not everything's supported. I think I just saw recently that Activision pulled their games. And, oh, I guess there's limits on session on how long you can play. Uh, certain PCs, Macs, Shield TV, and Android mobile devices. That's the only place it's available. Um, there's free and Founders, which is 5 bucks a month. Oh, wow, yeah, the free option, you can only play for an hour at a time. That's really fucking stupid. That's uh, it's really dumb. But uh, if you pay for the Founders version, which is the 5 bucks a month, you get priority access to servers, which is really dumb too oh wow you have to wait to play okay um, now that i'm seeing this is a really dumb service and uh, you can play up to six hours 
before you have to queue again. And no limit on sessions in a day. That's really, 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 really stupid. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. I don't care how cheap it is. That's that's really dumb. Anyway, moving on. That's an option for you. If you don't want Stadia, you don't have Xbox uh, xCloud beta access yet. Uh, things like that. Team Ninja uh, has announced that uh, they were being interviewed after NIO 2. So NIO 2 is now out. They have announced that they know that people want they want a new Ninja Gaiden. Unfortunately, they didn't necessarily say if they were going to work on a new one or if it was in the cards just yet. But they know people want it and it's always in the back of their minds. So we'll see if that ends up being true or not. Uh, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, recently was being interviewed, um, and people asked him about his uh, view of rivals in the industry. So he was being interviewed by Protocol, and he said that, see Amazon and Google as the main competitors going forward. I don't want to be in a fight over format wars with uh, Nintendo and Sony, obviously. While Amazon and Google are focusing on how to get gaming to 7 people, seven billion people around the world. Ultimately, that's the goal. Which, uh, when you think about it, really... And then he went on to say, That's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, Azure but we're invested tens of billions of dollars in cloud over the years. And when you really think about it, so that's end quote there, when you really think about it, that's kind of true. It, it's, the, Microsoft is more positioned for cloud-based gaming and cloud-based everything in terms of just in general, because they compete with Amazon on a daily basis, with Amazon Cloud Services, Microsoft Azure, Azure, I, I don't know how you say it, but that makes sense from a certain point of view. Now, granted, will the home console continue to still be a thing 10, 15 years down the line? I'm not sure. Will cloud computing definitely start creeping up in the background? 100%. That's why, like I just said, NVIDIA GeoForce Now, there's already Xbox X Cloud. PlayStation is looking at game streaming. Sony already signed up with Microsoft for them to host their streaming services on Azure. So look at, look at that. I mean... Granted, Sony doesn't have the infrastructure, really, for that. But clearly, Microsoft is trying to position themselves in a place so they, they are not behind one day in the future. Now, to say that Amazon and Google are their, their rivals right now is a bit of a stretch to me. But I, I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, Stadia isn't doing too hot right now, and Amazon is just a publisher of games right now for mostly they're not really a a, a big uh, how do you, how would you say they're not really a big first party institution right now they're comfortably in a, in a like a third party studio realm definitely not even second party at this point but that could change it's amazon they got a shit ton of money <laughs> so who knows uh, activision recently announced on their earnings call that they plan to release 
several more remasters in 2020. I wonder what uh, what this means. We already got Crash. We already got Spyro. Does this mean Tony Hawk again? Maybe some James Bond games? I would totally welcome those. Been a while since we've had a good James Bond game, but uh, I don't know. But in, in that same vein, Kotaku was reporting on leaks of a possible Crash Bandicoot mobile game uh, being made by King, the makers of Candy Crush. This would be a running sim, or uh, I don't know how to explain that per se, but it's it's similar to like Temple Run, if you ever played those games, uh, but in the style of Crash Bandicoot, which if there was any a game that would lend itself perfectly to that style, it would be Crash Bandicoot, since there are plenty, 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 plenty of levels in the Crash Bandicoot series where Crash is running away from something. So that makes 100% sense to do something like that. And would I get a game like that? Probably not. Not a not a big, not a big uh, mobile game. Or I do play some mobile games, but it would be interesting to see how a crash one turned out. Uh, I I would definitely give it some some credence and some some time. That's for sure. And sticking with the Activision train there for a second, we got a leak. Uh, of information pertaining to Call of Duty Modern Warfare Season 2, which is going to drop on Tuesday. And, of course, we'll talk about that uh, next week. But uh, hints at a possible return of Rust, the fan-favorite map from Modern Warfare 2. Obviously, uh, on obviously, no, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite maps of all time. And then hinting at the possible arrival at Ghost, uh, even though he was already teased at the end of the game. So be on the lookout for that. Season 2 drops on Tuesday, February, what is it, uh, 11th. Also, okay, so that's it for, uh, no it's not, I'm kidding, joking. A couple more stories. Of course, the two biggest gaming stories of the week are coming up in just a second. Let's get to this other story first. If you are a fan of the System Shock games and were ready for System Shock 3, you might be in for a bit of a rude awakening here. Um, apparently, this is uh, Video Game Chronicles is reporting that the developers and team behind System Shock 3 are no longer employed. And uh, this is, some other reports are coming out that it was critically behind schedule. Um, the game designer, uh, changed their LinkedIn profile to reflect the end of, of their time at the developer and, uh, an, an anonymous poster on RPG Codex said, the only reason I'm posting this is because I saw so much confusion about the state of the company and the project. I thought some first person information would be welcome. I never suggested we were halfway done. Core systems are a great foundation for a game, but both, most of the work is content development, which we're critically behind in both in real assets and in tool support for an efficient pipeline. Was the failure of the project right? It's hard to say. If Starbreeze hadn't gone into crisis, I think we would have delivered something interesting with some fresh and innovative gameplay, but a much smaller game than what people were expecting and inevitably disappointing for a sequel to such a beloved franchise. Those high expectations drove a lot of expensive experimentation. We were a small team and knew we couldn't compete with 
current immersive sims in production quality and breadth, so we had to be creative and clever and weird, and we were on our way to make something unique and possibly fun, but probably not what the audience was hungry for. So, I don't know how true this is. That that same person went on to say, "Don't actually, they don't actually know what's going on, but the team is no longer employed there." So, uh, the original developer Starbreeze has did close a while back. Looks like this new publisher and developer had some issues as well, and. So, uh, was this? Yeah, so Starbreeze back in 2019 said they would uh, experience a liquidity shortfall, meaning they didn't have the money to keep running. And I guess it had to do with uh, their Walking Dead game that failed. And insider trading happened as well as they were raided by the feds. So, uh, other side ended up taking over from Starbreeze for System Shock 3. And it looks like. Some other things have gone, I don't know what's going on. So maybe they're going to try and sell it to another company. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with System Shock 3. I know the first two games are beloved by many people, but alas, no longer happening. And then the first of two major stories this week, Rod Ferguson who is the head of the Coalition, the studio owned by Microsoft that is in charge of the Gears franchise, has announced, after many years at both the Coalition and Epic Games working on Gears of War, uh, he is leaving and is going to join Blizzard and oversee the Diablo franchise. And if there's anything more suited for Diablo, it'd be Rod Ferguson coming off of Gears of War. Uh, his official statement said that starting in March, I will join Blizzard to oversee the Diablo franchise. Leaving is bittersweet as I love our Gears family, the fans, and everyone at the Coalition and Xbox. Uh, he also said, thank you. It has been an honor and a privilege to work with you all. And, uh, man, that sucks, man. Rod Ferguson pretty much took over from Cliff Blazinski to just run Gears. And he's been doing it for a very long time. Uh, he's been in the game industry... Since 1996, he actually started at Microsoft, and then he went to Epic to work on Gears for Microsoft, and he's done. He's worked on every single one since the beginning, and helped start up the Coalition. So it's, yeah, I know, I know Blizzard's had some issues in in terms of the Diablo franchise lately with the not well recepted mobile game that was announced that has yet to come out. Um, I know Diablo 3 had some issues at launch and ended up coming back from that. But we'll see now what happens with Diablo 4, if a change will be made, or what will happen now with Rod Ferguson at the helm. And it will be interesting to watch, uh, which this definitely means that Diablo 4 is not coming out anytime soon. But what is probably... The biggest news in gaming right now is that Dan Hauser, co-founder and um, co-studio head of Rockstar, yes, Dan Hauser, yes, that Dan Hauser and that co-founder will be leaving Rockstar Games. That is right. He is the 
what he was the head writer on Bully, both Red Dead Redemptions, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, he is leaving in March, so March is a big, big month for game game developers. And uh, apparently, it said uh, Sam House. So he's brother to Sam Houser, the other co-founder. And Rockstar said this: Sam Houser's role with Rockstar Games, which he founded in 1998, remains unchanged. Sam and the team remain focused on current and future projects. Uh, and then Dan said this, um, which he said, After an extended break beginning in the spring of 2019, Dan Hauser, Vice President Creative at Rockstar Games, will be leaving the company. Dan Hauser's last day will be March 11th, 2020. We are extremely grateful for his contributions. Rockstar Games has built some of the most critically acclaimed and commercially successful game worlds, a global community of passionate fans, and an incredibly talented team team which remains focused on current and future projects this is very 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 interesting now my question is what will this do to the eventual output of grand theft auto 6 if that ever happens uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but in 2018, he was talking, Dan Hauser was talking to GQ, and he said, it's really unclear what we would even do with GTA 6, let alone how upset people would get with whatever we did. Both intense liberal progression and intense conservatism are both very militant and very angry. And it, it makes sense. He's very true in, in that sense, that um, both ends of the political spectrum, when it comes to certain things in video games, are... Are no, they're not fans of anything. Uh, militant conservatism goes after violence in, in video games. Uh, militant progressivism goes against certain other aspects of games, like the depiction of women, the depiction of minorities, and, and stereotypes and things like this. So, uh, again, what would GTA 6 look like in today's world? Now, GTA 5 could get away with a lot of things because, again, it was 2013 and the world was a different place seven years ago, but it, it it's very interesting to see how this will affect Rockstar moving forward. I, I, again, this man was the writer on many, many, many games at Rockstar and many critically acclaimed games as well. This is a major loss to the game industry if he ultimately just retires off into the sunset. Now, if he forms his own studio or goes to work at another studio, we'll, we'll be in good hands, luckily. He'll, he'll be able to write some awesome games. But, again, it all comes down to execution, though, as well. So it'll be interesting to see how things are moving forward. I, for one, am excited about the prospect of that. Uh, hopefully he doesn't, he doesn't go away forever, and hopefully he's back somewhere in the future. Maybe he just needed to take a break especially after writing Red Dead 2, which is one of the best written games in a very long time. But that's it for gaming. Talked a lot about gaming today, huh? Didn't we? Big, big chunk of the show. But it's time to move on to our next topic, and that's what's going on on the silver screen. Or no, that's movies. I think we've had this conversation a long time ago. Anyway, what's going on the boob tube, the TV, the television? Anyway... Chris Pratt, famous for being Star-Lord, and uh, Andy Dwyer in Parks and Recreation, is returning to TV. 
He's going to be working with Antoine Fuqua, the director of Training Day and many other great movies. Uh, it's going to be called uh, The Terminal List. It's based off a, a book, and it's a, being called a political conspiracy military thriller. And uh, is expected to premiere sometime in the next uh, year or so from now, I think they said. Uh, I don't know if they've said 2020 or early 21. Uh, no clear date on that just yet. Uh, I'm excited for that. That sounds really good. Anton Antoine Fuqua knows how to how to direct. That's for damn sure. We got some uh, premiere dates, uh, or at least tentative premiere dates, out of Disney Plus. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is confirmed for an August release, uh, so we don't have to wait too long for that. WandaVision is confirmed for December of this year, and then The Mandalorian. Uh, is confirmed for an October release for Season 2. Uh, so a month earlier than expected on that. And I'm sure we'll be able to watch uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and then just a, a week, couple weeks in between before Mandalorian. So that's really good. Uh, Bob Iger was giving an a investor call or something. I don't remember who he was. Um, but people asked him about Star Wars franchise and Talked about how the focus is TV right now, obviously. Uh, they already announced they're taking a break from movies for a couple years. Uh, but he did say that it will be possible that legacy characters could show up in future seasons of The Mandalorian. And also uh, possible character spinoff programs from The Mandalorian as well. So uh, be it Cara Dune, Baby Yoda, uh, IG-11... I mean, I'm trying to think of characters. Moff Gideon, I'd watch a Moff Gideon show, that's for damn sure. Find out how he got the Darksaber. Uh, but all these things are possible in Star Wars on TV. So be on the lookout for that. And don't forget, Star Wars Clone Wars Season 7 premieres this upcoming Saturday. Uh, final season of Star Wars Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus, February 15th. So, I'm sure you guys are annoyed by this just as much as I am. You're watching Netflix... Or I should say, uh, you're, you're on Netflix looking for something to watch. And you stumble on a program. And you just want to read about it. But it just starts auto-playing right away. Just, hey, here here's the preview for what you want to watch. Like, no, I just want to fucking read about it. I don't want to see what's going on just yet. Well, finally, Netflix is giving you the ability to turn that feature off. The most, uh, the most, the very much requested feature can be turned off by going to your profile settings and it is listed there as an option. So if you want to turn that off, now is your chance. I know a lot of people are annoyed by that. And speaking of Netflix, BoJack Horseman ended last week. And despite how it ended, I was 100% like glued to the TV watching it. This these final six I think episodes they were 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 nearly perfect and it it allowed for a proper send off for most of the characters. I, I didn't particularly like the the very end. I I don't like what they did with Diane's character. Um, it was interesting to to see how they did things with Bojack at the end, and there were just it was very powerful. And it reminded me a lot of times of, of the other Will Arnett show Flaked that was on Netflix. And it's a shame we didn't get more of that show. But 
the 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 way things were presented in the final season and final section of the final season of BoJack were, like I said, just practically perfect. Um, except how things ended, we got a lot of great send off for mostly the characters. Their their stories wrapped up in a, a meaningful way. But again, I I did not like how. I just don't know. I it didn't. I don't understand why people thought it was perfect. I, I wouldn't say it was perfect. It, it just... I, I don't know. The end was just okay, in, in, in my opinion. But again, everything else was was masterly crafted. It just... I, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't sit right with me. And I, I think I would have to just watch it again. Just to really fully grasp what happened. But I don't know. I'm at a loss for words and it's, it's rare that I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but I, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to have to watch it again to, to really get a better understanding of, of how I feel about it. Because I, like I said, as of right now, it, it's still, I don't know. I, I think I'm still processing it more than anything. So we'll circle back in a few weeks and uh, final bit of, of TV news here. Because uh, it just kind of blends with movies here, just uh, back to Disney Plus. But uh, word on the street is that Disney Plus is going to adapt Lilo and Stitch for live action. Uh, so it looks like they're going to be redoing some animated Disney films in live action purely for Disney Plus, like they did for, uh, like they did with Lady and the Tramp. So we'll see how that turns out. That's it, though, for TV news, if you will. Air quotes there around TV, because it gets increasingly blurred. What's TV, what's movie, what's not kind of thing. And maybe I'll just make its own subject for streaming stuff at this point. Like the old HBO ads, it's not TV, it's HBO. Speaking of which, Curb Your Enthusiasm is fucking hilarious. Avenue 5 is turning out to be very good as well. The slow burn on that show is very, very well done. Uh, but let's move on to movies. Uh, and, and you guys are I'm patiently awaiting the Oscars, of course. But Disney has purchased the rights to Hamilton. Yes, that Hamilton. Uh, as well as the original cast. So the Broadway cast, when I say original cast, will be reprising their roles. Uh, you know, they'll be singing Alexander Hamilton. I don't, I don't know. I've never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. Uh, but they're expecting that to release in October of 2021. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. <laughs> uh, Justin Lin has given a very convoluted reason for Han coming back in Fast 9 or F9, whatever it's being called. Saying something about justice for Han and Deckard Shaw is a friend. I, I don't know. It's a bunch of nonsense if you ask me just just watch the movie and let the movie explain it i'm not even going to get into it uh, and speaking of fast and the furious vin diesel recently posted on on his instagram or something hinting that fast 10 or the final film in the franchise may ultimately being end up being split into two films so we'd get fast 10 and 11 or 10 part 1 and 10 part 2 I don't know if that's the best decision or not. He also said that he would love to have James Duty Judy Dench in the film. 
uh, they developed a friendship on the set of one of the Riddick movies where he actually taught her Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Vin Diesel is an avid Dungeons and Dragons player. Kathleen Kennedy was being interviewed, confirmed that Indiana Jones 5 is still in active, de- in active development. Ooh, can't talk. And that Harrison Ford is set to star. Um, not holding my breath on that one. Uh, Matrix 4 has also entered production in San Francisco as we've been getting set pictures of people. A lot of set photos coming out. Apparently there's no regard for security up there. It's just impossible, I guess, in San Francisco. Uh, it's really funny. So if you want to see what Matrix 4 might look like, just hop online and you'll see photos on Twitter everywhere. <laughs> um, we finally got confirmation of a Knives Out sequel. I was already being hinted at. After the first film had done so well. And it looks like they're aiming for a 2022 release. Uh, no word yet though on if it will focus on Benoit Blanc. The character played by uh, Daniel Craig or not. Uh, but Ryan Johnson said he, he wants to expand on, on the story. So that's awesome. Really loved that movie last year. Uh, not sure if you guys know this. But there is a movie called Chaos Walking that stars Tom Holland and, and uh, oh god, I can't think of her name. Wow. Um, Daisy Ridley. Wow. Okay. Uh, brain fart. Uh, this film finished production in 2017, or at least filming. Uh, was expected to release sometime in 2018. 2018 came and went, no release. 2019 came and uh, rumors were swirling that the film was unwatchable. And now, after extensive reshoots, the film finally has a release date. January 22nd, 2021. So we get to see the stars of two major franchises, both owned by Disney, starring in a Sony-produced film. (laughs) Uh... I guess it's based off a YA novel, and I know the YA craze is kind of over at this point, but yeah, that's uh, finally happening. Didn't know if you guys were uh, aware of that movie. And uh, really cool news in MCU, but it is being reported that Sam Raimi is now in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2, or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, This is per Variety. And uh, Sam Raimi, you might be hard-pressed to remember, but probably not if you're listening to this program, the director of the three Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3. Uh, Also the creator of the Evil Dead franchise. Now, this is one director that if, if Marvel's trying to get that horror trope going, would be perfect. He knows how to do horror, he knows how to do comedy, he knows how to do superhero movies. That... Honestly, I, I couldn't think of a better director than Sam Raimi. And if this is Multiverse of Madness, this would be a great tie-in with the Spider-Verse movies. And Boss Logic, um, most of you probably don't know who that is. Boss Logic does a lot of cool fan art stuff on Instagram and online on Deviant Art, where he imagines like a lot of fan ideas as posters and things like this. And he had one showing the... Uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man looking into the distance at a Doctor Strange, like, opening a portal. That'd be fucking cool. And if there's anyone who'd be able to pull that off, it'd be Sam Raimi. That's for damn sure. And uh, also got news that the Loki showrunner 
is being brought in to help beef up the script and, and rewrite it. And uh, after news broke that Sam Raimi was in talks, Scott Derrickson actually gave his approval on the on the choice. Uh, Scott Derrickson being the director and writer of the first one. And uh, they, him and Marvel split amicably uh, over creative decisions over the second film. He did have this to say on Twitter, though. Uh, I've worked with Sam, Sam Raimi, one of the nicest people I've known in the film business, and as a, as a director, a true living legend. What a great choice to take over Doctor Strange. End quote. And, 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 and it's, it's rare. It's rare to see a director like that who left uh, a project he was invested in uh, to be replaced, but then go and, and praise his replacement. Uh, of course, this happened similarly with uh, what's his name? Um, David Ayer talking about James Gunn taking over for the Suicide Squad, though, of course. Uh, that was just a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, that's kind of it for movie news, though. Um, I did see Birds of Prey, so we're actually going to talk about that. But I do want to talk about the Oscars first. And just like we started the show, it's a wonderful night for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, who will win? Except this time, we know who won. <laughs> How about Steve Martin and Chris Rock, huh? About the not hosts with their somewhat not opening monologue of the show, huh? That was really cool. It was really funny, actually. So whoever wrote their jokes was on point, because it was n almost perfect. It was hilarious, actually. Uh, another hilarious duo on stage was Christian Wig and Maya Rudolph. And uh, when they presented their awards, that was hilarious as well, actually. I was shocked that they were allowed to do that and just poke fun. Uh, Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus were okay, I thought. Um, not perfect. And then, of course, the major stunner of the night was fucking Eminem coming out and performing Lose Yourself 17 years after he won the award for the, for the song. And... Uh, he actually spoke to Variety about it, and he did say, this is quote, back, in, back then, I never even thought that I had the chance to win, and we had just performed Lose Yourself on the Grammys with The Roots a couple of weeks before the Oscars, so we didn't think it was a good idea. And also, back at that time, the younger me didn't really feel like a show like that would understand me. But then when I found out I won, that's crazy. That, to me, shows how authentic and real that award is. When you don't show up and you still win, that makes it very real to me. So... That makes very sense that they, apparently they asked him to come back after Lin-Manuel Miranda had done like, kind of like a melody type thing in the show, if you were watching. And uh, it was really cool that they brought him back because uh, it's perfect timing. He just came out with a new album, so it's uh, good publicity for him. And it was uh, very interesting to watch all the different reactions of the different celebrities there that night. Uh, I thought it was a great performance. Uh, it's been a while since since we've uh, seen him perform that song, so it was really cool. But on to the winners, of course, right? How about Parasite, huh? Taking away all the major awards. Best fucking picture. First foreign language film to win best picture. Parasite, which is still in theaters, or you can rent it. That That's nuts. Parasite. Parasite 1, it has to be so good. I have to watch it now. I, I don't understand. 
It beat out Ford vs. Ferrari. It beat The Irishman. It beat Jojo Rabbit. It beat Joker. It beat Little Women. It beat Marriage Story. 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's insane. It has to be amazing, then. It has to be perfect. Bong Joon-ho won for, for Best Director for Parasite. Of course, it didn't take any of the acting awards home, which makes sense because directing is a... Uh, transcends all languages, if you will. Whereas acting, you know, is is really fit to whatever language it's being spoken in. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix won for Joker, though, which was insane. Uh, not insane, it's amazing. Uh, Joaquin's first win, he gave out a shout-out to his, his brother. Uh, and second, Joker to win now. So two different people have won for Joker. Uh, Renee Zellweger won for Judy, which is kind of funny as well, because Judy Garland never actually won an Oscar herself when she was alive. Brad Pitt, no surprise here, won for Best Supporting Actor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, very happy for him, very not surprised. Uh, Laura Dern won for Marriage Story in, in Best Supporting. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, nice big win for Taika Waititi. Jojo Rabbit winning Adapted Screenplay. Uh, and then Parasite wins Original Screenplay. 1917, surprisingly, only won just a few awards. Uh, cinematography won, which, I mean, the, the film looks like one single take. It, of course it's going to win for cinematography. Uh, Toy Story 4 won for Animated Feature Film. Shocker right? Uh, Joker won original score, which is in crazy, and I'm pretty sure that's the first time a woman has won for best uh, original score. Uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again, the song from Rocket Man won for best original song. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for production design, sound, film editing, Ford vs. Ferrari. Uh, international feature film, which used to be the foreign language film category, Obviously, won by poor, uh, Parasite. A um, little odd that it won both. Uh, granted, makes sense, though, at the same time. Uh, a lot of idiots on online and on Twitter are, are freaking out that Parasite won. Some asshole said it was the, the end of America. I don't know. Idiots. Morons and bigots. Um, visual Effects, 1917. So, only two awards. Costume Design went to Little Women and uh yeah a lot of a lot of interesting ford vs fry for sound editing and sound mixing for 1917 as well so unfortunately i i only saw of the best picture list i've only seen three three out of the like nine yeah and that's sad i should definitely check out more i do want to watch ford vs ferrari i know i can rent that irishman i just haven't gotten around to yet uh, Jojo Rabbit is still playing at a local theater near me, so I do want to go see that Marriage Story and another Netflix I can watch soon. But, yeah, I mean, if if I was going to pick one, I would have picked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or 1917. I'm very surprised by, by Parasite winning, but hopefully going to check that out in the, in the next few weeks, and I'll get to give my two cents on it at least. But crazy turn of events though at the oscars though the 92nd oscars let's hope they bring the host back next year and i'm if i'm not mistaken next year we'll also bring in their new popular film category so we'll see how that turns out next year and and who that will end up going to i wonder what films will be considered for that uh, before we wrap up the show do you want to talk about 
Birds of Prey and the uh, Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, uh, surprisingly very funny. A lot of oh fuck moments too, that's for damn sure. And uh, unfortunately had the lowest DCEU opening. Uh, it only opened at around $33 million. A lot of people are projecting that's because it it came out on Oscar weekend and Parasite in 1917 and all these still had a lot of very hard control of social media of the social media landscape and maybe they weren't spending enough money on on advertising. But 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 beyond that, uh, Har- uh, Margot Robbie was on point as Harley Quinn, and Ewan McGregor actually stole the show as Black Mask in my opinion. I I think he played Roman Sionis perfectly. And uh, kind of a duplicitous role. Um, he plays this flamboyant, rich club owner when he's Roman Sionis. And then, of course, when he's the ruthless, sadistic crime boss as Black Mask, it, it's, it's, he's able to, to blend them perfectly in, in, in with each other. I was speaking with some friends who were going to skip it, actually. And one of them's like, uh, they can't shake the fact that Harley Quinn's a side character. And I was like, I don't know about that. But then... After I saw the film, you know, I there were a lot of points in, in time, because it takes place in Gotham, I was like, where's Batman? What, is Batman just letting all these criminals do all this crazy stuff right now? Like, wh- uh, where's Commissioner Gordon in all this? Like, yeah, we got Renee Montoya in a different precinct, but like, normally her and C- Gordon know each other. And a little odd that a lot of this stuff would happen without Batman being around. And and that kind of goes back to that side character argument. It's like the one detriment to the film was I was asking where was Batman way too much. And it, it should have been able to stand up on its own without having Batman in, in the back of your brain. But other than that, it was a solid film. Definitely an 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, definitely D- DC's attempt at re- recreating their own Deadpool. Uh, obviously, with the foul language, um, it being rated R, I think, which is another reason people brought up it. Maybe it's not doing so well because you're losing out on a lot of the teenage uh, market that you might be able to bring to it. But um, it, it's it's really interesting how they play the story. Harley Quinn's the narrator of the film. It's a voiceover work, and she kind of explains the story, and it jumps around a bit, which, which is fine, really, which is, again, similar to Deadpool. Um, but I, it, 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 this is very obviously a sequel to Suicide Squad. This is not a reboot. This is not a, any kind of, uh, like soft reboot or anything. This is very clearly a a sequel to Suicide Squad and the DCU in general. Uh, no Jared Leto, of course, but the Gotham City is the same. Obviously Harley Quinn is the same. Uh, some a lot of other things that would fit right into the DCEU as it stands now, uh, and I, again though I really liked it and the the other cast does very well. Like I said, Ewan McGregor was great as Black Mask. Um, Chris Messina though as Zaz, it just felt a little odd. Zaz normally isn't like the the brains behind anything, and uh, he didn't have a lot of screen time. It felt off. The action was on point, which makes sense since they brought in John Wick's uh, Chad Stileski to come in and beef up the action scenes. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as as, uh, Huntress could have used a little more work, if you ask me. She's just kind of 
a one-note character in this film. Uh, Journey Smollett-Bell, I think that's her name, she did really well as, as Black Canary. And when when she finally used her Canary Cry powers, that gave me, like, ooh, I had, like, goosebumps seeing that on screen for the first time uh, outside of the Arrowverse was, was really cool. Other than that, though, it was just, uh, overall, it was actually a, just a really great movie. It was really funny. A lot of good jokes. A lot of good jokes. Uh, very comics accurate, almost, too. Uh, Harley Quinn had her Joker. She had her stuffed beaver. The, uh, her Joker. Her her hyena. Her hyena was in the film. And Black Mask wore a nice comics accurate mask. I, I couldn't tell if it was wood or leather, though. So that was the only downside. And... Overall, just just really good. Uh, surprisingly, very good, very well done. Uh, I've soured on Suicide Squad in 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 the years since it released. Um, I still hold Batman vs Superman in high regard, though personally, and Justice League I really liked still, and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Shazam of all of all, of course, and and I think finally the DCU DCEU is on is on a right footing. Um, these these individual films have been doing a little bit better than their team-up films, and I think that's because they kind of rushed into their team-up films. And hopefully James Gunn will be able to rectify some of that in, in his Suicide Squad film. Uh, that, that suicide, that's uh, filming right now, uh, expected to release next year. But yeah, 8 out of 10 for uh, Harley Quinn. Or Harley Quinn, uh, Birds of Prey, and the emancipation emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, that's it for Nixner News though this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, check out nixnerdnews.com, where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Listen to current, past, and future episodes. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find links to our Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify pages. Uh, hopefully soon on iHeartRadio. Uh, finally was able to get through to them and just waiting on a, on a reply. Also on nextnerdnews.com, you can find all of our social media feeds in one awesome place, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you prefer to follow them individually, you can find links to all of the pages for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Otherwise, search Nixner News. Just look for the logo. That's it again, guys. Thanks for listening. I will catch you guys on the flip side, huh? Talk about Season 2 on Modern Warfare. Uh, talk about Clone Wars Season 7. And a whole lot more. Thanks, guys. Catch you on the flip.